There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Wednesday morning, the 29th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. A confidential memo is uh, to be circulated to ministers in uh, the current government today outlining considerable disruption to trade between Ireland and uh, the United Kingdom following the deadline to reach a trade deal in December of this year and finalise Brexit. The UK leaves the European Union this week but it will be covered by EU rules during the so-called transition period which runs up to the end of this year. The concern that... uh, the United Kingdom would have crashed out of the EU on Friday instead of having put a withdrawal agreement in place, had put any prospect of holding a general election here on hold for the last three and a half years. So here we are. The agreement is in place, but the Irish Times reports today that uh, the next government will oversee an economy that will shrink by between 3.2 and 3.9%. That's in the best case scenario and 7% smaller in the worst case scenario by 2030. This is just one of the challenges for us as a country in the coming years and puts into perspective the importance of the general election and who we vote for in 10 days' time on the 8th of February. In between now and then, we'll continue to meet the candidates through a series of one-to-one getting-to-know-you interviews and indeed roundtable debates. And we'll begin our programme this morning by meeting a Fianna Fáil candidate in Louth, James Byrne, who's a sitting councillor and in the studio with us. And a very good morning to you and thank you indeed for coming in to us this morning. And perhaps uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself because you're a relatively newly elected councillor and why you think people should vote number one, Byrne. Good morning, Michael, and thank you very much for having me on. Well, Michael, I was I was born and, and raised in Drogheda. Uh, I'm a chartered accountant by profession, but I made the move into teaching um, because I wanted to basically get out of the, the rat race and I was very fortunate to get a job and to be able to live in my, my hometown of Drogheda. I'm passionate about this area. I'm frustrated by the, the lack of delivery of services in this area. Uh, but I'm also ambitious as well for, for Drogheda, South and Midloud and, and East Mead. Um, Michael, I was elected to the council in May, as you know, mm. and my, the first motion I brought to the council was to 
uh, put forward a proposal that the councillors in Drogheda would meet formally on a regular basis with our colleagues in Leytown and Bettystown to try and uh, do something to to deal with the, the disjointed um, nature of, of service provision uh, in the greater Drogheda region. You're a teacher in the Sacred Heart Secondary School. Are, are you a member of a, a trade union? Um, Michael, I am um, not a member of a trade union at, at the moment. I was a long-standing member of the ASTI. Uh, I believe in the trade union movement. Um, I just had a difficulty with uh, certain decisions made by leadership and it's certainly something I intend uh, to go back to, but just not at the present time. Right, OK, because uh, the party that you represent, indeed, uh, your brother is uh, Fianna Fáil's spokesperson on education, hasn't supported the industrial action taken by the trade unions in secondary schools in recent years. Uh, there's a proposed strike planned by the TUI, uh, the other secondary school trade union, next Tuesday. Do you support the TUI? Michael, I absolutely support uh, the position that they are taking in relation to uh, pay equalisation for our young uh, teachers. Uh, I see it myself, my own staff from the, you know, the, the quality of, of teaching that's done, um, the commitment that they are giving. Mm. Um, to me, it's it's something that, that should be dealt with, um, that should happen quickly and I can't understand why it hasn't been so dealt with. You, so you support schools being closed next Tuesday? Michael, I support the position that they are taking. It is not something that they do or take lightly a decision to close mm. schools. Yeah. Um, but they do it with your support? They they do it with my support, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think in fairness, parents understand the position they're in. Like There is a significant difference in uh, the pay scales and and the pension arrangements of those young teachers and mm. they do deserve more. Yeah, but, but they, I, I look, they are very conscious of the impact that's having uh, on schools. Mm. But well, it's closing, have to, it's closing them down. They uh, have to take a stand. Uh, and with your support, uh, uh, I presume you won't pass a, a, a picket. You won't be, uh, but uh, I mean, you wouldn't not. pass a, no. a TUI picket, no. uh, even though you're not a member of a trade union yourself. Not, not at the minute, but I, I do believe. In if the trade you weren't union standing minute. in this campaign and you were working next Tuesday, would you pass the picket? Given that this is really Absolutely only a political not. statement. Absolutely not. But what's the point in strike action at a, a time of a general election? Michael, that's for the TUI to, I mean, to the, answer the, but the, the employer timing. May, well, as a politician who's standing in the general election, as somebody who's directly involved in this as a teacher in a local secondary school, surely you have a, an opinion on it because uh, people will say that we're looking at, at schools closing down at a time when the employer is about to change. Michael, the TUI and any trade union in this country have a right to strike. Once they go through all the that the formal procedures, um, that that is their right. And when a trade union calls a strike uh, to take place, that that is their prerogative. Mm. But Thomas Byrne, your brother, the spokesperson in education, has been calling on trade unions not to strike over exactly this issue whilst the government was in place. Well, look, strike action should be the last option. But this won't achieve anything. Who who are they negotiating with? You strike uh, as part of a formal negotiation process, don't you? Who who are they negotiating with? Because Fine Gael uh, is uh, on its way out. Uh, The the, the government uh, has uh, gone to a general election and the next government has yet to be formed. Look, the the, the TOI made a decision called a strike. I can't answer for them, but 
I can understand the frustrations of their members because the Fine Gael government has consistently failed to deal with this problem. You know, mm. it's, it's as simple as that. When they call a strike, that, that is up to them. I can't answer for them. And obviously, negotiation would be the preference. But the problem is that Fine Gael have consistently um, denied um, negotiating uh, on, a, on a fair basis mm. with them. And they just haven't delivered. So that support that you're expressing for the TUI striking during a, a general election is the Fianna Fáil position. That's your brother's position, is it? No, look, I'm just, you, you asked me a question. Mm. I'm just giving a, a personal uh, opinion on, mm. on the strike action. Obviously, it would be preferable if they didn't, but I understand why they are. And when they make a decision to call a strike, is up to them. You know, whatever or whenever they call a strike, it's obviously not... Um, ideal. It's going to cause some disruption, but I, I do believe that, that parents and you know colleagues in other unions do, do understand. Okay, you're a, a young candidate, uh, James Byrne, uh, for Fianna Fáil in Louth. Why is it that you want to follow in the footsteps of uh, Charlie Hawhey and Bertie Ahern? Look, Michael, it, it's clear that the people of, of the Loud Dáil constituency want change. Fine Gael have failed to deliver for the people in this area. Fianna Fáil is the only party that can offer real change. We're the only party that can credibly lead an alternative government. Just look at the numbers. Sinn Féin don't have enough candidates running. They haven't ruled out going into coalition with Fine Gael. Fianna Fáil are the only alternative mm. for the people. They haven't ruled out going into coalition with Fianna Fáil either. Sinn Féin? Mm. No, but we have categorically ruled out going into government with mm. Sinn Féin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does that show respect for the will of the people? Well, look, the people will decide. Um, and when the TDs are elected, you know, Fianna Fáil, depending on the numbers, will seek to form uh, a government with, you know, other Mm. Uh, like-minded parties, but Sinn Féin is one party we will not negotiate at this time. Mm. Um, Should people forget how Fianna Fáil destroyed the country? Going back to the question I asked you about wanting to follow in the footsteps of Charlie Hawhey and Bertie Ahern. Look, Michael, people at this moment in time simply want proper services delivered. They're Mm. sick of promises and failures of of Fine Gael. And, And if you want to go back to the, goal, the time Galway in, tent and the nod and the wink. Well, look, Michael, I'm a new candidate. That that was before my time. Mm. But if you want to go back to mm. uh, our time in government, we did most of the heavy lifting for Fine Gael. Brian Lanahan in 2010 took six billion out of the economy in that budget. Yet the economy still grew by a quarter of one percent. We did the heavy lifting for Fine Gael. They've been managing the economy. They they talk up the economy the last number of years, but the reality is. People on the ground have not felt uh, any progress, that they haven't felt the benefits because the government have consistently failed to deliver on services and Fianna Fáil are saying to the people, we will deliver services, we will offer change, we will offer hope to the people in this constituency. Okay, well you are a, a relatively young person uh, and uh, a very new politician uh, who uh, represents people in Drogheda, uh, are you aware of life for people outside of the Drogheda area? Because this is a, a big enough constituency and indeed it'll be a hard-fought battle uh, to take a seat in that. Absolutely, Michael. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm living in Grange Rat, 
So I, I have a foot in both camps in, in the Loud and, and Mead camp. So I know the issues in coastal Mead. But I'm also aware of the issues further into into South and Mid Loud. I mean, just on, on the campaign trail, like we, we talk about the fear that that's uh, palpable around Drogheda and people are afraid to open their doors. Well, there's people in Cullen and up as far as Anagas and they're afraid to actually come into, into Drogheda. Um, you know, I believe there's there's issues there that are, you know, common mm. across the constituency. I mean, you take uh, commuting, for example. Um, you know, we have over 20,000 cars driving through Julianstown from Drogheda and East Mead every day on the daily commute. Yet, the rail services that we offer, that the cost of rail travel from Drogheda, Leighton and Gormanston is extortionate compared to uh, Balbriggan mm. and closer in. Also, the likes of people living in, in Cullen and Dunlear that are facing that daily commute as well have the choice of, you know, driving through Drogheda, the congested streets, or taking the toll on the motorway. So mm. so the issues are they're shared issues, and I believe that I can represent the people of, of Drogheda, Eastmead, and Louth. They're age-old issues. Uh, most of those issues are age-old uh, and hark back uh, to the time when Fianna Fáil was in government. Well, look, Michael... The money wasn't there at the time. Let, let's face it. When, when the crash happened, the money wasn't there, and things That's should when the have crash happened. happened. But I to, mean, the, yeah, the, the but, problems you're talking about yeah. hark back to when the money was there uh, at the height of the boom during the Celtic Tiger. Tiger look, period. look, Michael, Fianna Fáil and myself were offering mm. real um, solutions. Okay, for this area, we need Drogheda Borough Council back. We we need to restore its powers. The services in the town, its budget, to begin with. Fianna Fáil are committed to delivering that. We need to build a northern cross route. We need to extend the leap card zone to Drogheda for rail commuters. These are things that Fianna Fáil will deliver in government, that Fine Gael have failed to deliver, to start improving um, you know, mm-hmm. society, improving services for the people in this area and just allowing them to get on with their daily lives and just get on with it. Okay, well I I think you'll be back in with us in uh, the coming days to debate some of uh, these issues with some of the other candidates in uh, the constituency, but thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, this morning. Thank you, Mark. To talk to us uh, and uh, to give uh, people an opportunity to get to know James Byrne, who's a candidate uh, for Fianna Fáil in Louthmead East uh, or, uh, I beg your pardon, uh, and uh, a sitting councillor in uh, County Louth. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, we'll stay in Drogheda and an information evening on Thursday, tomorrow evening, for young people, for young people who have a vote on the south side of Drogheda. It's a meeting that is being put together by the Southside Community Youth Project and the Boyne Garda Youth Diversion Project. And the idea is that young people will meet with local election candidates. To tell us more, Monica Murphy, who's a project worker with Youth Work Ireland. Louth joins us and a very good morning to you and thanks morning, indeed Monica. for joining us. Are, are people, young people that is, motivated to vote? Yes, I think they are. In light of everything that's happened in our um, community in the last wee while, I think they are um, yeah, I think a lot of young people that are in our project even are quite uh, scared at the moment um, with things that are happening around and we just wanted to give them a platform so that they could have their voice heard and um, 
and and so that their issues, mm. um, so the local election candidates could listen to their issues. Mm. Because we noticed in light of everything that happened over the last two weeks, n- all the politicians were coming to Drada, but nobody was coming up into the community itself. And the only one that actually came near us was uh, Councillor Paddy McQuillan. And he came up to the project and, and he has a background in youth work. And mm. he was came into us and he was saying to us, you know, um, how are the young people, you know, how are you guys, you know, what can I do for you, yeah. you know. And and it was then that we kind of realised, you know, the election candidates need to listen mm. to the young people in the area. How young are the young people that you're talking about that you're hoping to ask questions of the politicians tomorrow evening? Are we talking about first-time voters? Yeah, absolutely, mm. first-time voters. Mm. We have um, a good few young people that would have come through our project and maybe been with, mm. been with us for five, six years. And... Thankfully, some of them are working yeah. and, you know, yeah. um, but they're at voting age. And yeah. Well, they're we adults now. And they're adults. Yeah. And, and as we, adults, they have a democratic right. Uh, and the 8th of February is the opportunity to exercise that right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have invited mm-hmm. them back. Mm-hmm. But as well as that, we have some of our like 15, 16, 17 year olds okay. who mm-hmm. have an opinion as well. And they're going to be the next mm-hmm. ones to step up to have, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to vote. Will they be that. of interest to the politicians here and now because uh, they can't uh, change. They don't have a vote if they're that young. I know they don't have a vote, mm. but I really do think that the candidates should listen to them because at the end of the day, you know, these are the future. These are the future of a community. And I firmly believe that you need to start, you know, young, start them young and get them interested mm. in, you know, um, in the area, in politics. Um, like at the end of the day, our project has over the last 10 years has been cut in funding 30 percent, mm. you know, and you're expected to run your project. Um, yeah. on, on with and the lesser it, it, budget. Like. It was very interesting how all of the party leaders heard that when they visited yeah. Drogheda on Saturday and then repeated it on the Clare Byrne leaders debate on Monday night. I thought that was a very positive thing yeah. for everybody yeah, that they came, they listened, they took it in yeah. and they repeated it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that mm. is important yeah. as well, like yeah. that they that they did listen to us as well, you know, mm. because um, as, as um, Louise had said on um, on Saturday as well, enough is enough. Mm. Drawed has had enough. It's time to put the money in, you know, and start, you know, put the money back into community because at the end of the day, um, the Southside loss, uh, we don't have a resource centre anymore in the Southside. The only, like, our catchment area has 3,080 young people aged between 10 and 25. Mm. And for that catchment area, we have two projects and we have four youth workers and it's just not enough and it's time mm. for the politicians to basically put the money where their mouths are to yeah. be honest with mm. you and to do something so that's why we really mm. really we're delighted that this is going ahead tomorrow and that we have uh, some of the election candidates coming um, to listen to our young people tomorrow yeah. Alright we're not living through normal times but uh, in normal times uh, I think it can be a very exciting time for a young person to get the opportunity to vote in a general election for the first time and there's many issues that might motivate them to do that. Uh, Is the main topic of discussion the main focus uh, as far as you're concerned with the young people that you're working with the problems related to this feud, the gangs, the drugs, the guns, the killings? Absolutely, like like a lot of the young, what's what's kind of scary on on the side side at the minute is that um, armed guards, helicopters flying around, houses being raided. This has all become mm. the norm for young people. And, you know, that's not the way it should be. Is it know? haunting them? I think, yeah, mm. yeah, mm. absolutely. Like, I mean, it's it's the topic of conversation for the last two weeks mm. has been, you know, um, 
what's going on in the area, you know, and, mm. and it's just and even like we did an art project with some of the younger um younger boys the other day, you know, when we were saying, you know, to, you know, just to try mm. and get them to work through some of the stuff that they were talking about. And, and you know, some of the pictures that they were drawing mm. and, you know, of the area, you know, it was mm. quite. You know, you kind of thought, oh, yeah. that's not what it should be. That's not what they should be drawing. You know no, what I mean? No, of course you not. Know, no, it, helicopters it, it, and yeah, guns and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. that's not what. I just wonder, is there headspace for other things in their lives? Are they watching the Grammys and the Oscars? Are, are, are they interested in tax on fashion items? Or uh, if uh, there's other issues that young people under ordinary circumstances would be thinking about as to whether they'll get a, a job or be able to buy a house. Yeah, yeah, I mean I mean, young people do mm, worry about mm, all mm. Uh, like stuff like that, you know, mm. um, mental health is a huge one as well for a lot of the young people that are on our project, mm. um, you know and um, and I think that that is another topic for another day that mm. really needs to be focused on and especially in Drada and um, the services and stuff like that in Drada. Okay, well you're asking the politicians to meet with you and the young people in uh, the Rowan Heights Community Building at 8 o'clock Tomorrow evening. tomorrow evening. Uh, have you had any responses? Yes, we have. Okay, yeah. yeah, it yeah, has been okay. very positive mm, now, I mm, have to say. Yeah. Um, Imelda Munster, um, James Byrne, um, Jed Nash, um, Fergus O'Dowd have all come back to us and said mm. that they will be there in the night. So okay. maybe email mm. today to, re- to remind them to be okay, there because right. I do think mm. it is important. And they mm. actually all came back. You know, I met them down at the rally mm. the other day and yeah. they were all saying to me, yeah, we definitely will be there because we want to, okay. you know, listen mm-hmm. to the young well, people. I suppose that's the four main political parties in yeah. uh, this constituency yeah. and undoubtedly others uh, yeah. may respond. Yeah. Uh, OK. All right. Well, very good. Thank and uh, let us know uh, how it all goes uh, and if uh, everybody is friends at the end of it for that matter. And thanks for coming in to Thank us you, uh, this morning. Monica Murphy, much. project worker with Youth Work Ireland Louth. Now, it's Wednesday morning and that means uh, the local newspaper have been published. You should be able to pick up your local newspaper in your local news agents. Marie Kearns is in studio with us as usual on a Wednesday to tell us what's on the front pages. We're going to begin in County Meath and the Meath Chronicle leading this week with what is a national story. They're looking at it from a local perspective. That's right, Michael. It's the decision of childcare providers to close their doors next Wednesday in a national day of protest to highlight the crisis facing the early years sector. Uh, the paper interviews a number of crash and play school owners in the Ashburn, the greater Ashburn area, including Nicola Maguire of Little Buddies Playgroup in Montessori in Ashburn, who describes the sector as broken, underfunded and exploiting those who are working in it, adding that children are going to suffer as a result. All right. Well, we heard Youth Work Ireland loud to talk about some of uh, the problems in Drogheda and indeed the rally against some of uh, those problems last Saturday. And that makes for the lead story in the Drogheda Independent this week. That's right, Michael. Under the headline, Drug Gangs Told to Go and Go Now. And the coverage extends inside two pages in the paper with lots of pictures of the event. Meanwhile, a story on page eight in the paper caught my eye about a wildlife group who had to come to the rescue of a swan in Ship Street after the bird was left covered in oil from the River Boyne. The swan, who has made its home on the street and is known for going for a stroll down the Marsh Road, had to be rescued by the KAF Wildlife Unit with the help from Boyne Fishermen's Rescue and I believe is being rem- has been removed for treatment in Kildare. 
Okay, right. Uh, interesting indeed as to how the oil got into the river, but uh, and that may be another day's work. Uh, we go to Dundalk and the Democrat uh, reporting on its front page uh, about the lengthy delay in an ambulance responding uh, to an injury. That's right. Its story centres around a young footballer who apparently was left lying in agony, in agony for at least an hour on a GAA pitch whilst awaiting the arrival of an ambulance. David Lynch writes that the incident occurred late last Wednesday afternoon on a pitch at DKIT sports ground. And while a paramedic on call arrived to comfort and tend to the player, the young man could not be moved until the ambulance arrived as darkness began to fall. OK, the Dundalk leader then and uh, the GAA stadium right. makes its lead story. Yes, the turning of the sod at the site for the new GAA stadium in Dundalk is the lead story in the Dundalk Leader. The paper reporting that GAA President John Horan, who performed the honours, made it clear that Krog Park was 100% behind this project and vowed to make it one of it's his priorities going forward. All right. So the trial for the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue making news in Dundalk and on the front page of the Argus. That's right, Michael. And inside the paper then, an interesting event taking place at Dunlouis Secondary School on Friday and I caught my eye and that's mm-hmm. because, Michael, it's that of a mock election. And um, it's really... We're having one of them on the 8th of February, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're having the real one. Yeah, but oh, anyway, I thought that was a mock one. <laughs> the political yeah. fortunes mm. of Loud's 15 mm. candidates are going to get an early appraisal. Mm. The mock election in the school will see up to 600 votes cast with all the students and staff being given the opportunity to choose who they would like to take the five seats in the Loud constituency. Teacher Orla Drumgool said she felt it was very important for young people to learn about our electoral system and this is an ideal way to give pupils a first-hand experience of voting in a general election. They are learning about the whole system and have actually got really engaged in the upcoming election. That's a very good idea, isn't it? I think it's a fantastic idea Mm. and she says there's lots of interest when when the candidates were announced and the Mm. finding out about the candidates and how the whole system works. Very good. Uh, I'd say the politicians are interested in that themselves because uh, the young people in the school might be going home and having a word with their yes, parents and yes. advising them on how to vote for that matter. Very interesting. All right, uh, there are the local newspapers and uh, many of uh, the front page stories. Thanks for that, Marie. Uh, perhaps people want to comment on that. Uh, they can get in touch with you now and Marie will be back in the next few minutes if you do want to comment on any of uh, those stories with some of uh, the comments uh, that come to us uh, this morning. Maybe there's something else you've been hearing this morning or as always, if there is an issue that you would like to raise with us, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850 Michael Reed on LMFM. We'll have a, another roundtable debate for you this morning after 10 o'clock and we continue our one-to-one getting to know you interviews right up to polling day with individual candidates on the programme for that matter. We're joined now by independent candidate in Mead East, Sharon Kyogen. Uh, thank you indeed for coming into studio with us uh, this morning and for joining us on uh, the programme. Maybe you'd uh, tell people uh, why you believe that they should vote Kyogen number one. Good morning to you, Michael. I'm delighted to be here this morning to talk to you. You have me all to yourself this morning, so uh, I'm delighted to be here. Um, I've been a councillor now for just over five years, almost six years now. And um, last year I got elected into two areas. I got elected into the Laytown, Bettystown area and I got elected into the Ashburn area. And the reason I got elected into those areas is because I work really, really hard for the people that I represent. I have the support also of my independent colleagues on the council, um, uh, which is really, really welcomed. And having their backing and having their support means an awful lot to me. Um, 
So we work as a technical group. There is seven of us there that work as a technical group uh, currently. We work very closely together and uh, having that support is really going to be valuable to me mm. um, uh, when I become a TD in, into the dawn if I'm lucky enough and pri- privileged enough to be elected as a TD for me East. Okay. Uh, as you said, uh, we have you all to ourselves. Uh, I know, yes. Uh, if uh, if uh, that's uh, the right way to put it. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. uh, you said. Uh, but yeah. uh, you, you had been invited to come into us on Monday and you, yeah. you, you turned it down. Uh, I because, did. Uh, and, I... and I told the other candidates not to feel insulted by it. Yes, and I'm sure I there know. wasn't an impression uh, that you had of them. Uh, but... Uh, I'm not sure you know, how they felt uh, well, because I, you you didn't want to debate with them. You only wanted to debate with a, a government minister. That was yeah, a bit odd, th- wasn't it? Well, I think I wanted to debate. I mean, uh, I wanted to debate with the government ministers. I wanted it because uh, they have been in government for nine years now. I also wanted to debate with, you know, Thomas Byrne. I would have mm. liked the opportunity to d- debate with him as well because he's obviously mm. been part of it with the confidence and supply arrangement. Mm. So it's important that we do debate the issues mm. and that I, I would have loved, I wanted the opportunity and when mm. Helen was on the panel mm. and the possibility of Thomas being on the panel, mm. I was really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I was preparing for it. Mm-hmm. And, well, the, the, uh, the minister was uh, called yeah, away, as you know, I know on, yes. on government, so, minis- uh, on gov- not, on not government to, business. Uh, I think some of the other candidates had hoped uh, that people would look on them as potential ministers and, and felt that your decision was a bit arrogant. Oh, I'm not arrogant. Anyone that knows me and knows me well mm. knows that I'm not arrogant. I am very straightforward. I certainly don't think that uh, if if that's your uh, interpretation of me, it's no, certainly no, or no, their no, interpretation mm-hmm. of me. Uh, I cannot I cannot help how they feel about me but certainly I wouldn't describe myself as an arrogant human being at all okay, far quite from a, it Quite a, a number of people have been in touch asking why is it that Sharon Kyogen wants to discuss if disabled children should be microchipped Why is it that, that Sharon Kyogen wants, wants to, to discuss, discuss if disabled children should be microchipped Um I think you're referring to a post that went up last uh, August. August, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's important that you read out the entire uh, quote yeah. um, mm-hmm. as no, as per that. as per the original post. Okay. Uh, um, and I will give that to you now. Okay. Because the one because that you it, were ex- the one, the it's one, to do with Nora Quarren and you put, right. you, you put on Facebook. Uh, that's uh, right. uh, this was a tragic end for this family, but should children with special needs who have poor ability to communicate be microchipped with GPS? Please discuss. Okay. Now, can you read out the original post, please? It's no different than what I've just read. Please read out the original post. What's the difference? Can you read that? You've been asked by the parent. I'm I'm asking. Please, can you read out the the original post? The 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 part that seems to be missing is this has been asked of me by a parent of a teenager with no verbal skills. That's right. Okay. So so you, but what I asked you was yes. um, People have come to me and asked why is it. That Sharon Kogan. Sharon Kogan does not want to. In fact, actually, it says here, please discuss. Please discuss. That's that, and that's all. Sharon Kogan is was, asking them to discuss if disabled children should be microchipped. No. Why is it that? Sorry, that is not the that is not the question that was posed, and that is not the question. Please that was discuss! Asked. Exclamation mark. Uh, please discuss. I was a I was approached by a, a, a father hmm. who has a son. Um, just turning it to to be uh, out of his teens into yeah. a, a young adult. Um, following what had happened, who is non-verbal, following uh, the incident that happened to Nora. He was distraught. He wanted to uh, uh, find ways of how he could protect his son. Um, I would have known this, this young man and this young boy and 
uh, from a very, very young age and I would have been part of uh, supporting the family with getting services for the young the young man. Um, and he just put himself in the shoes of Nora's parents and he was distraught because this particular child of his, his son would have gone missing on a number of occasions. He basically asked me if I would... Uh, discuss um, the issue um, that in, in relation to GPS and um, uh, some sort of a GPS uh, system that, you know, if his child did ever happen to be on vacation and did go missing, that he would be able to find that child. Um, I be, He said, can you discuss it and maybe open the, the conversation on it? I've always been a voice for those that are voiceless. Um, I've always spoken up for those who may not have their, their voice or not capable capable of expressing what it is they want to um, express. Mm. And I did that and um, you can see uh, some of the comments on it. Uh, it was respectful. I didn't make any comment on it whatsoever. I didn't agree with it or disagree with it because I am not going to make judgment on any parent who is a child that is nonverbal. I am not, you know, I admire, I admire those uh, parents with children of abilities and disabilities um, I have great admiration for them. And at the end of the day, I suppose we have to walk in their shoes to know the struggles of their daily life that they have um, in coping with mm. and dealing with uh, very special children in and their lives. And we have to listen to them, is this? I, well, when, we when, when, to... when, when they suggest using microchipping, you, well, you, no, you, you I mean, believe that, I think very that, simple... that should be considered? No, I, do, I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up, it's but up you to ask people to discuss Absolutely, this. and that's yeah. exactly what mm. the, that's, so, so, he, so he that, wanted so me... That, so, so that's considering it, isn't it? No, he wanted me to open the dialogue. There, mm. are, there are a number of GPS systems out there mm. for children with, uh, um, that are non-verbal. There are, there, there are mm. GPS chips out there that children can actually access at this moment in time. Young mm. adults can actually access it at this time. Um, and... Parents, uh, parents actually would have become knowledgeable about them because mm. of the post. Um, indeed, in fact, uh, another woman contacted me where her mother, who had dementia, mm. um, and kept walking out uh, in the middle mm-hmm. of the night, and she also uh, got information from the post as mm. well. So, like, uh, 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 and you believe microchipping people no, with GPS warrants consideration? No, I do not. I do not. I do not believe that. You're, you're, they're your words, Michael. No, that's, I, no, that's a question. No, no and they're well, do, your words. No, it's a question. Do I, you believe it warrants consideration? No, I do not, Michael. Do you believe it does not warrant consideration? I, I, do, I believe it is up to the individual and the indiv- individual person what, how they choose to um, provide a system that will... So it might warrant consideration? No, it doesn't. I, I'm, I'm talking about GPS. Well, you're asking to be a TD. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you're asking people to discuss whether people should be microchipped with GPS. No, I didn't. Sorry, I'm asking people... To, sorry, I'm not asking people to discuss. This was a particular father no. that reached out to me. It's here in black and white. Absolutely, please, you can Please, see it. under your name, Yes, in black and white, yeah. please, and does it say, please discuss. Yes. Does it, does it also say, it does say, this has been asked of me by yes. a parent of a teenager and you, with no verbal skills. What do you think? Please discuss. Yes, that's sorry. Yes, absolutely. So it's it's not it's not something that, that I mean I don't have a child with special needs. Mm. Um, 
I have no idea what the struggles they face every single day. So Maybe I don't know what a, 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 a public representative or being a public right, representative okay. means. But when I think you ask people to discuss something under your name, yes, as a public right. representative, right. you're starting a discussion, a, a discussion that warrants but, consideration. But, that, but, that is, but isn't that what I'm meant to do? Am I not supposed to give a voice to the voiceless? Am I not? I mean, this morning... But I, I just had, asked you yes, that but, and you said, no, that wasn't the case. You, so, 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 yes, you were I am, asking people to discuss this uh, and as to whether it warrants consideration. Well, I think anything that will... will uh, make our children more safer warrants consideration. I mean, at the Do end you believe of the day, microchipping end, children with no, GPS will make well, children you can, safer? You can get, you can get uh, microchipping uh, GPS uh, um, labels. You can get that you put onto the clothing. Mm. You can get the, the GPS watches for mm. the children. Some children may not wear them. You, you can get microchip on, your, on the, the mobile phones. Mm. These are all things that are already there. Mm. So... This is what the parent wants. And to, to put on the internet a photograph of this deceased girl and ask a question like that, uh, you believe that was appropriate, do you? Well, I, I don't. I mean, when you say was it appropriate or mm. why? Why is it not appropriate? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure if I I'm think, sure I, if no, if I no, think I, I think that girl's family, parents, friends, uh, anybody who knew her, her classmates, uh, neighbours. Uh, might have found that difficult to look at, to well, to, to ask if she to, to, to because it implies that if Nora Quarren had been microchipped with GPS, if she, she, she might be alive. No, what I'm saying that's that, well, that, that's well, the implication I take from well, it. Well, maybe that's what the maybe that's what the parent of the the, the child that reached out to me took a, took of it. Maybe if is that, it? Well, I obviously obviously because he was distraught. He was distraught that this could happen to his son. That's exactly why he contacted me. So you know. You're making you're making assumptions on and interpreting something that was written in your own well, mind. You've, well, you've just said it's correct that somebody did I've, feel that way. That's and that, right. That, 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 that was the assumption that they wanted other people to take. And this has upset a lot of people, as you know. Well, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I cannot I cannot help um, how people feel. I certainly have always been a voice for the voiceless. Do you regret upsetting people? Ch- I'm, I'm pa- parents not, sorry, of par- parents of disabled children, parents of non-verbal children. Sorry, I I I I haven't upset any any parents. Have oh, I, I think yeah, I think you have. Yeah. Have I right? Okay, well, if you say mm. I have, then mm. I, I then I. Well, you wrote I, you wrote to one of them. I wrote to one of them and said what? Well, I don't want to name the person, but yes. I, I believe that's I'm handing you a piece of paper yes. with uh, what I believe is a communication between you and uh, the parent of a disabled child. That is that is exa- exactly and and, mm. and and it actually linked them to the correct mm. post. Yes, but that person was upset. Yeah, well, that, that uh, there's there are many people that are, that are going to take this in not in context of which it was written. They're taking the this post here mm. and they're not taking this post here. Yeah. So I think it's mm-hmm. important that people take the take the post mm. as it was originally posted. Okay, but. But you do accept that you upset at least one parent, if not more, and I believe yeah. there are well, more. Certainly, and do you, cer- do, do you certainly, regret that? Certainly, I would never set out, mm. and anyone that do, does know me, Mike, mm. would know that I would never, ever set to uh, uh, set out to upset any human being in life. If I cannot help somebody in life, I certainly won't set out to upset them. Okay, you, um, I, I, I accept that completely. You did not set out to upset them. Yes. Do, you, do you accept that you have upset people, and do you regret that? And would you like to take this opportunity, perhaps, to apologise to them? So I'm, I'm apologising to what to the. No, I'm, you're not apologising to anybody. I'm just asking you if you would like to. But 
I, I basically have used my position to verbalise um, the distraught father okay. who no, that's, basically that's wanted, perfectly wanted mm. uh, the, the issue discussed mm. in a public forum mm. um, and used me as a vessel to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if, if that has offended people. Uh, it certainly wasn't my intention to ever, ever set out to offend people. Okay, thank you indeed for coming into us this morning. That's independent candidate in Mead East, Sharon Kogan. Michael Reed on LMFM. Let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and good morning again to all our listeners. Debbie from Drada says, Michael, I'm listening to your interview with James Byrne. You can't blame... Uh, James Byrne for Fianna Fáil's past. He is a new candidate, Michael, and parties need to be attracting new young candidates. If you were to say that to every candidate about the history of the party, sure nobody would probably want to join. Give him a chance, says Debbie. Katie says, listening to your interview with Councillor James Byrne, I don't understand why Fianna Fáil keep insisting that they are a party offering change when their policies just seem to be so similar to Fine Gael. I personally cannot see much difference between the two and Fianna Fáil have spent the past couple of years propping up Fine Gael instead of trying to advance their own identity and their own causes oh, if they are any different. That's not fair. Don't be talking about uh, the last five years or the last ten years or the last twenty years. Um, <laughs> we're talking about new candidates. Uh, they don't stand. Oh no, they do stand for the party. Fianna Fáil is Fianna Fáil is Fianna Fáil, uh, in the same way that Fine Gael is Fine Gael is Fine Gael. Uh, and uh, yes, you may be a, a new candidate, uh, but you're a candidate uh, for the party that you're representing. Tom phoned in and says, "Michael, you missed a point there with James Byrne. Mm. We're always talking about Drogheda and East Meath mm. and the importance of the two being represented. Wouldn't it be fantastic to have Thomas Byrne representing one part of the?" area and his brother James representing the other, they could work together and produce the very best results for Drogheda. Well, I think the Burns would agree with that, yeah. So there you go, <laughs> okay. so does Tom. Yep. Uh, moving mm-hmm. then from uh, the, the interview with uh, Councillor Sharon Kilgan, Ken from Dundalk says that uh, the Councillor wouldn't come on the show on Monday because she couldn't debate with a government minister. So why then have you her on today? Uh, Ken wants to know. Oh, uh, well, you know the answer to that. Uh, I do know the answer. To be fair yes. to, uh, as possible uh, to everybody, uh, we're inviting as many candidates as possible uh, to uh, take part in the one-to-one interviews and to take part in uh, the debates. Uh, and uh, Sharon Kogan was, as it turns out, invited to both. Uh, she accepted one and didn't accept the other. All they do is talk, says a listener. This is about politicians, but where is the action? They all drive me crazy. They don't come up with solutions. And from Drahada says, why would Sharon Kyogen think that a Facebook post asking people to discuss this topic is right? That surely is not the platform for it. I really am disgusted by this. Another listener says, have that girl's family not gone through enough? I feel it's very insensitive to put something like this on social media. Uh, Michael says, another listener, all Sharon Kilgan did was ask a question to get people's views on the basis of what a parent has said to her. Is that not what a politician should do? 
to get views from people before maybe advancing a policy or trying to bring something forward. Okay, well, some people would say that politicians uh, should uh, be answering questions. Indeed, uh, the Irish Cancer Society is suggesting just that, and they're asking our listeners uh, this morning to ask uh, a number of questions of candidates uh, when they knock on their doors. Rachel Morrow, Advocacy Manager with uh, the Irish Cancer Society, is on the line. And thanks for joining us, Rachel, on the programme uh, this morning. This is part of your Cancer Matters campaign. And uh, there's three specific questions you're saying people should ask of the candidates. Hi, Michael, and um, hi to all your listeners tuned in this morning. Yes, the Irish Cancer Society is asking its supporters right across Ireland to bring up the issue of cancer in the doorsteps um, during the election campaign. And we hope that by doing this, the experience of patients will improve and ultimately save lives. Um, we've contacted um, about 10,000 people in Laos and Mead and asked them um, to make it a priority um, to candidates who, who called their door and to ask them what they're going to do to improve the quality of life um, for cancer patients and families. And God knows uh, you're talking about uh, a lot of people uh, who uh, will be hoping uh, that those uh, questions will be answered uh, appropriately and uh, that there will be some hope because you're talking about 200,000 people being diagnosed with cancer over the period of uh, the next five years, possibly the next term of government. That's absolutely right, Michael. And in Lies and Mees alone, um, 6,500 of them will be just from those two counties. Um, and that's obviously very troubling for us. Some of these cancers can be prevented. Um, but also with the treatment options that are available, um, more and more people are surviving cancer, which is yeah. great. But there are issues that then emerge for survivors. So we need to think about the quality of life of people who survive cancer. And one of the ways that we want um, government to take action is on the financial issues um, that affect people with cancer. Inpatient so charges being one of those issues. Absolutely. So um, if you get chemotherapy or radiotherapy in a public hospital, you have to pay 80 euros, um, up to a maximum of 800 euros a year um, for, for treatment. And actually, when those charges are not paid within 47 days, the HSE policy is that those patients can be pursued by a debt collection agency. So these are just some of the issues that are facing cancer patients. And obviously, they cause major distress for the cancer patient and, and their family. Um, and there's other ways that the government could reduce the financial impact for patients, like cutting the drug payment scheme threshold to €100. Euros. The prescription charge is levied on medical car- card holders um, up to a maximum of €20 euros a month. And it may sound like a small amount, but when you're faced with other charges as well, it has a real impact on patients and family members. Um, who may be out of work at the time mm. as well. And some research the Irish Cancer Society undertook last year shows that on average, a cancer patient's income um, will be reduced by €18,000 a year. So you've got additional costs and you've got a reduced income. And um, okay. so it's a lot of work that needs to be done too. Uh, and that's the first of three questions you're mm. suggesting to people to put to candidates. And I, I suppose it's uh, the question that looks at living with cancer on a, a micro level. But uh, the other two questions uh, have to do with the macro and national policy. That's right. So we have a national cancer strategy and that was um, published in 2017. The Irish Cancer Society isn't happy with the progress that the National Cancer Strategy has made. Um, for instance, on the issue of um, waiting times, um, we think that 
there needs to be a lot of movement there so that people are diagnosed with cancer as quickly as they can and that means that their treatment um, will more likely be successful. Um, for instance, if you look at the, the most recent data we have, um, which is from mid last year, um, for only 7 in 10 people who are referred as an urgent case to a breast assessment clinic are seen within the two-week target. Um, and they, they, the, the HSB has set their own target of 95%. They're not meeting targets like that. Um, and it's a 10-year plan for cancer care and services. And there's now less than seven years to complete the 52 recommendations um, that are contained in that. So we believe that it needs more investment, more political will. It needs to be driven. Um, and, and really, it'll make a huge difference to cancer patients and their families if it's introduced. And it's the same with launch care. And we've heard a lot about that in the political debates recently. Um, just a fairer health system for people, um, and particularly cancer patients, who, who really who really need um, launch care to be implemented. And preventative the measures then, to conclude, yeah. Rachel, uh, to stop the prospect of uh, developing cancer from uh, the youngest age possible. That's right. So we're asking for action to be taken um, on the tobacco and alcohol industries and the influence that they have over young people. We think that by stopping um, young people from smoking and from um, drinking alcohol in excess, that we could make a big difference in in cancer rates. Um, So we have recently um, asked government to introduce comprehensive e-cigarette legislation because we believe that it's possible that young people are starting um, using e-cigarettes and then transitioning when they're addicted to nicotine to, to tobacco. It's mad, isn't um, it? I mean, it's meant to yeah. be the other way around. But, I know, yeah. I know. But they I, end up addicted uh, to, to, to tobacco or to nicotine yeah. and then go on to tobacco. That's right, Michael. And that's, that's our concern. And we joined with Children's Health Charities um, late last year and we made a call to the Minister for Health that comprehensive legislation really does need to be introduced. We now know that one in five children between the ages of 12 and 17 have tried e-cigarettes. Um, and that, that's very, very concerning for us. Okay. Um, and there's also flavours like um, mm. bubblegum and yeah. candy and, and other things that are really attractive um, to people who are, who are under 18. And then on the alcohol side, um, we want the um, Public Health Al- Alcohol Act to be fully um, implemented and that will include minimum unit pricing and, and labelling on cancer. Okay, Rachel, we have to leave it there, but thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Rachel Morrow, Advocacy Manager with uh, the Irish Cancer Society. We go back to the phones now and uh, some more of uh, the calls that you have there, Marie. Marie phoned in in relation to the interview with Sharon Kilgan on that Facebook post and says that... Uh, Sharon doesn't seem to want to accept responsibility for posting that. She says that she often goes for shock factor votes or posts, as she puts it, and that it's not the first time she she has been upset by a post from uh, Councillor Kyogen. She says that she'd love to know who the father was who asked her to post it, that she feels it was very insensitive. Okay, well... Councillor Kyogen says that she was starting the conversation or trying to start the conversation on behalf of uh, a man that she knows uh, who's concerned about who his son, uh, who's nonverbal, uh, and felt uh, that he could protect uh, the child uh, if uh, the child was uh, microchipped with GPS. Final comment comes from Damien, who says, Call me a cynic, Michael. But Sharon Kyogen seems to be doing well at the moment. She's been tipped by many to take the third seat in Me the East. Now suddenly, out of the blue, a post appears that she posted last August. Why do you think that this is happening? 
Uh, I can't answer that, uh, but uh, we did ask uh, the councillor to uh, talk uh, to us uh, about uh, the post uh, which she had put on uh, the internet uh, to start a discussion with other people, but we'll leave it on that note. And thanks uh, for that, uh, Alan, wasn't it? Damien. Oh, Damien, I beg your pardon. Thanks, Damien, and uh, thanks, Marie, for bringing us uh, those calls and comments. Michael Reed on LMFM. Four general election candidates with us hoping to take one of uh, the three seats that are available in uh, the Mead West constituency. We're joined by Fianna Fáil TD, Shane Castles, uh, Ain 2 TD and leader of his party, Patricio Bean, Ronan Murr, who's a councillor for the Social Democrats, and Noel French, who's a Fine Gael councillor. Good morning to each of you and thank you for coming into us here on the programme this morning and joining us uh, for the debate uh, this morning. Shane Castles, uh, perhaps I could uh, start with with yourself, uh, they say, or at least some people are saying at this stage, uh, that it's Fianna Fáil's uh, election to lose. Uh, what difference would a, a Fianna Fáil government make? Uh, good morning, Michael. Good morning to all the listeners. Uh, certainly there's a great opportunity for change in this particular election, and there is an opportunity for Fianna Fáil to, to win this election and to form that next government. And that question of, in terms of what difference would Fianna Fáil mm. make, well, across a whole load of principles, and I think the manifesto that we've produced uh, sets out those principles in terms of owning your own home, mm. where we've seen over the last decade. Would you cancel the broadband plan? Can I just make the point, mm, Michael, yeah. in terms of what we're, what we're setting out? You mm. asked what the difference yeah. and where we would mm. make the difference. I did. So in terms of, of owning your own home, mm. for the first time um, when I was buying my own home, and indeed Pather as well, home ownership was uh, attained around the mid-20s. That's now gone into the mid-30s over the last decade. And that's a scandal on this particular government, on things like quality of life, whether that be on, on, on childcare, that, yeah. whether that be on healthcare, yeah. we have a situation where probably one of the biggest things that comes into mm. our offices on a weekly be- on a weekly basis will be mm. the issue of home help mm. uh, for elderly people who need assistance. Mm. And indeed, under this Fine Gael government, under Noel's government, we have a situation where we have nearly 450 people on waiting lists in Mead for home help hours. Mm. So we would actually increase the number of home help hours by 5 million mm. over the course of this particular government and fund that yeah. with an extra 260 million. Now, that makes a huge difference to the quality of life at mm. a community basis. Mm. And also in terms of a strong and safe communities. Mm. You know, your show has been dominated for the past number of weeks mm. in terms of the lawlessness that mm. has been perpetrated mm. Mm. and introducing laws that would tackle, mm. introducing laws similar to what was done with the provost mm. in making sure that we can actually tackle the lawlessness mm. that is happening in a huge part of our yeah, country but, as but, well. But all of the parties are saying they'll solve the housing crisis, the health crisis, uh, the crime problems uh, and so on in, 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 in different ways. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, what can you specifically tell us that you would undo that has already been done in terms of making a difference to what the current government has been doing? Would you cancel the broadband contract? Uh, would uh, you take a look at the North-South interconnector, for example, and decide to scrap that? Yeah, well, on the, on, on the issue of the broadband, we've seen a situation where, you know, here before the last election... Uh, the Fine Gael incumbents at the time promised that this would be done and dusted by this election. Mm. Here we have a situation where I think it was announced for the 10th time mm. in a schoolroom down in Wicklow uh, prior to Christmas. Mm. Uh, so that's some accomplishment uh, for them. We've got yeah, a very with good, the support of Fianna Fáil, but what, now, now, now if you're given the chance, would you undo it? 
I think it has to be looked at again. I think we have okay, a situation... Okay, so we can't commit to that. Well, think, what, what about the North-South Interconnector? Well, the North-South Interconnector over the last four years, mm. uh, I've been a very strong voice for that project, yeah. uh, for, the, for, the, for the support group in terms so of actually... So has the Fianna Gael representatives locally. Would Fianna Fáil as well, a party... Well, come on, Michael. They've well, they've all said they're against it. Would Fianna Fáil undo it? They've been, they've, they've been never on the show here to discuss it, Michael. Yeah, they have. Who, oh who proposed God. it in the yeah, first yeah. place? It was you proposed know. under a Fianna Fáil yeah, government. Of course it was, yeah. Yeah, well, that's an old French of Fianna Gael making the point, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, you know... Toby. First of all, we've had a Fianna Fáil government mm. or a Fianna Gael government in power in this state roughly since mm. the start of the state. And I would be asking the question, are Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael the best that we can do as a country? Do we, are, are we cursed They're to all have, we can do. Are, are we cursed to have roughly the mm. same government over and over again mm. in Ireland? I mean, we, we had this have, discussion not too long ago. They're, they're, they're all we can do. Well, there is no other the option. People there vote. is. We're, the people we're asking, vote. We're well, actually, asking people sure to that. think outside of the, the political cartel that's running this country roughly since the start mm. of the state. Now, you mentioned a couple <laughs> of issues there. The, um, the issue of the North-South Interconnector. Mm. I brought about a bill which would have undergrounded the North-South Interconnector. Yet Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael would not support that Did bill. you even get a seconder for it? Uh, we actually passed it on the first stage, no, if you were paying attention. So what I'm saying to you is that... Um, Bring in Fianna bills F- and they go to first F- stage. F- Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael would not support that. So you asked what, what would you do with regards to uh, the housing crisis. What, you know, aim to in government would actually start to tax dereliction. Uh, there's so many towns and villages uh, in our county that are cursed with dereliction mm. where you can play football in the middle of the road during the daytime on a Friday mm. so what we're saying is rather than leave those buildings in dereliction make sure that you have an, a, a, a carrot and a stick to the developers that are sitting on those derelict buildings there's a derelict One, site levy there's, there's, not there's a derelict, there's not a derelict sites enough. act but there, and, and the derelict sites act has not been used in County Meath to the level that it should be Even in, in Louth for example they were happy to CPO regularly yes. uh, derelict uh, buildings but mm. in Meath County Council in which obviously you're a member of that is not the, the practice. And I put and forward it, a motion and it's, for and it, and compulsory purchase based and on the same as, as loud. Yes, another, absolutely. Another solution that Aintour are looking for is to make sure that you have a proper vacant site tax. Not mm. Ones with lots of loopholes, but ones that make sure that big developers can't sit on big plots of land and allow them to appreciate. We need to take speculation okay, out yeah. of the housing mm. market and make sure that you'd housing... Mim- you'd mimic a, a lot of the Sinn Féin policies uh, in relation to well, housing well, first of all, the as, you w- as you would in relation to a, a lot of uh, policies. Well, what I would say to you is the derelict sites tax that I'm proposing is not a Sinn Féin policy in, in any way. And of course, I come from a, a, a background of a political party where I would share some of the platform that political party has. But I can guarantee you that our political party into, which is only a year old, and this is the first general election that we're competing in, it actually has a lot of members from Fianna Fáil, from Fianna okay. Gael, from uh, Labour and the other political parties too. Okay. So and there's a, another new political yeah. party represented here by Ronan Moore, relatively new political yeah, party, relatively two new, TDs and the Social Democrats. Indeed, but I think if you look at our track record in, the, in government and what we've been able to achieve in those few years that we have been a party, I mean, we were the party that, because we can't put forward any bills that are going to cost the exchequer money, we still managed to extend unpaid parental leave to six months, which has had a transformative effect on the lives of families who have been able to avail of that. We were also the party we chose not to go into government the last time mm. with Fine Gael. We made a conscious choice that we were not able to leverage enough change. However, in opposition, it we was wanted an election on Christmas Day. Well, I think Pete, there was a there's a drive for an election because of the needs for an election in terms of our health and housing. But in seriously, terms of, on Christmas Day. 
no, no. I, I think that's in, like when you look at where we are at the moment in terms of the, like the, the <coughs> timing of it. The twenty eighth of December, pretty much Christmas Day. Well, look, actually, when you look at the Social Democrats in terms of the amount of power that we have, in terms mm. of the amount of times... Two put, TDs. No, hold on a second. In the amount of times we were able to put forward a motion, and the motion that we had put forward had been put forward well in advance of mm. that. So we have very limited speaking rights, and so that actually is the mm. only opportunity. But However, but Did the answer, Social Democrats actually want an election on the 28th of December? We want an election. We've been wanting an election for the last... On the 28th of December? The 28th, it would have probably been more the 22nd of December, and if that was the timing, it would have been not the most... Like, anyone out of Canvas at the moment in mm. the weather that we have... It's not the opportune time to canvas, but at the same time, so you didn't really want one. Well, we do. Like we want, we want election. We're now where we mm. want to be at in yeah, terms well, of calling we're in the spring. Like, yeah. But I think mm-hmm. to answer your question in terms of like the influence, because uh, that sounds like you didn't really want one. It was a stunt. You knew you wouldn't get one. We have a limited amount of speaking mm. speaking rights in the in the mm. doll. So mm. when we have an opportunity to hold the government mm. to account, that is our responsibility to hold the government account. When we have more speaking rights, we'll be doing so on a much more frequent basis due to the rules that, the, that are laid down in the doll. Mm. But in terms of actually to answer the question in terms of the influence that we have. It was our motion that put forward to look at a cross-party health mm. strategy on slanty care, a truly historic mm. agreement where it's the first time in Irish history where we've had um, cross-party sports, Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Labour, all these groups that have signed up to a 10-year health strategy that irrespective of who's in government will follow through. And I guess one of our key priorities if we were lucky enough to get elected into government the is care proposal which but, was put but, forward But just to go back, because mm-hmm. a lot of people are talking about change. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding on the doorsteps mm-hmm. is that there is a desire for change. And okay. there's a desire... Um, we, we'll hear what the Social Democrats intends in a moment. I just want to bring in old French if I, I can. When you look across uh, Shane Castles, uh, do you see a partner in marriage that uh, there would be a grand coalition. I think he's a bit tall for me. No, well, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. Besides, listen, at the last election, there was nobody willing to go into government. Nobody wanted to mm. go into government apart from Fine Gael. And Fine Gael took up mm. that role. Yeah, now, with regard to broadband, and, and Shane has brought up broadband mm. here, Fianna Fáil were bringing out plans about broadband before Fine Gael were bringing out well, plans. Well, Leo Bradker and, sees and, uh, and, uh, and a wedding, or would hope, uh, but he, he's being turned down, I think, on the altar. I've, I'm not worried about uh, weddings or anything Mm. like that. Broadband concerns my constituents. Mm. And I am sick to death of hearing plans. And I know Shane Mm. has said that Fianna Gael announced a lot of them. Fianna Fáil did as as well. We are are now getting broadband. Yes, it's costing way too much. Mm. Yes, there are security uh, questions on the the confidentiality. You're at odds with your leader. No, no. I'm agreeing with the broadband plan because we need it. (laughs) The the people of the rural society need... I'm not at odds. I, I don't know what the next election is. I'm not, or the next uh, government is. So you, I presume it's going to be the same as the last time. People mm. running for cover, people okay. don't want well, to. Well, well, your party to, to, to clearly run. wouldn't do a deal with Sinn Féin. Would you do one with Ain too? Uh, we, uh, after the, again, I can't speak for that. If I'm lucky enough to be elected, I will have a What's voice in opinion? the party. My personal opinion, I think, uh, I, I don't think your economic policies, Pat, are, are consistent Hold that with now, Pat. Let's Gale, let Shane Castles with come Fianna back Gale. there. Would, would Fianna Fáil do a deal with them too? Oh, we're open to looking at all the scenarios after the, the next election. I mean, I know, to to practical, I know Pather to be a practical politician. Uh, and a hard-working politician, and we'll see, and we'll see whether you know after the next election, um, we all have seats why, in the first instance. Why and would then you do we'll a deal with with Ain Two and not with Sinn Fein? Our party has ruled out Sinn Fein consistently. Why? That's what the Michael, question. Why? why? And in terms of, well, hang on a second. I mean, Patrick Tobin supported the armed campaign. He supported the provost. Uh, he supports all of the Sinn Fein policies. Uh, he, he is Sinn Fein effectively with, without abortion. 
Yeah, we we we, all, we, we 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 have we have seen exactly where Sinn Fein lie on all of those issues, and I think um, we now have Pader uh, beating himself up for having supported all of those on the front of the newspapers yesterday, having been directed by the national executive of Sinn Fein mm. to for implement all those policies, and maybe he is going you, through you, a period of you, regret you, and remorse you, for having supported you, you, all of those. So, in other words, you would trust him. Why would anybody trust you, Padertoe, being given that you're a snake in the long grass? I mean, you were asked over and over about your life in Sinn Fein and never said a word until days before a general election when you make front page news for a party that otherwise wouldn't get any news coverage. First of all, Michael, I know you like a little bit of heat in these particular debates, and that's fair enough, I understand that, but don't misrepresent me in any way, please. With regards to my analysis of of what happened in the Troubles, I've always been very clear. I felt that, you know, Catholics weren't allowed to get homes, uh, Catholics weren't allowed the vote, they weren't allowed to get jobs, they Mm. weren't allowed... Um, to be broadcast mm. on the media and they weren't allowed to have their national expression recognised uh, mm. by the orange state that existed. They're there. the reasons for and your support so, for so, the provisions. No, so, I didn't misrepresent no, 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 you. The, the, the truth of the matter is I've always understood that the injustices were the cause of the conflict there. But I've always, I joined Sinn Féin after the peace process. I always was a view that we needed to have a peaceful democratic mm. solution uh, to what happened you, in, in, in the North Rhine. You've the told me just, many times that you supported I've, the I've, armed campaign. I've told you that I, I understood the, the, why the, the armed conflict was there. But I also understood... But you believe it was right but I, for I, those reasons. I understood that the, the solution to it, Michael, was a peaceful democratic uh, 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 peace process. Now, you made another point there about... Uh, with regards to uh, what I have communicated mm. in the last few days. I was asked a very simple question on a TV programme. Why not remain in Sinn Féin and have influence uh, rather than be in a small party and have no influence? And I stated very clearly that as a TD, I had no influence uh, within Sinn Féin. And then I was asked by another journalist, and I told the truth. So it's it, this is a, a, a case where if you ask me a question, I will tell the truth about... Uh, uh, but if you don't ask the question, you won't get told. Oh, no, but, but I think you were asked those questions before, and that was the point that I was putting to you. To be honest, I wrote a number of reform documents within Sinn Féin, mm. and I gave them to the leadership of And Sinn you did say that and tried before, to, yes. to, to, the ref, to reform mm. uh, the party. Can I just say, the problem with some of these debates is that it can get into a kind of a, a, a knockabout mm. uh, what we're saying in a is, as a country, we can do far better than this. So, for example, rather than have a national broadband plan that has gone mushroomed from 500 million euros to 3 billion euros, mm. <clears throat> we can actually start to introduce a little bit of accountability into the political system. So where you have a, a minister responsible for that level of uh, cost inflation or the cost inflation mm. that existed in the National Children's Hospital, that you hold those ministers to account. Mm. And what most the frustration that most people listening to the show will be that those two ministers responsible for that level of waste, mm. you know, nothing ever happens to them. Neither Fianna Fáil nor right. Fianna Gael the charge against them to Fianna Gael. Absolutely. And, 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 sorry. And I, think, yeah, I, I think Andy Kenny made uh, a speech similar to what we just Ab- heard in terms of ministers Ab- being accountable. Absolutely. You sh- people should be accountable. But Pather, are you telling are you telling me that the rural people in Mead West don't need broadband and I, I have I, to compromise and politics here, politics is no, politics is a compromise mm. it's the same with the children's hospital if you want to stop the children's hospital <clears throat> fine and we'll put it where it should have been out in Blanchardstown 
but that will be 25 years from no, now. Right. So sometimes, 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 no, French. No. sometimes... Are you running as an independent? You're a government party. You're a government party. To say that here, when we've discussed this, through the and we talk about accountability, we've seen that at the Public Accounts Committee. People have been held accountable. People have resigned their roles. Who's been held accountable for the printer? Who's been held accountable for the printer? Again, no French must have amnesia and think that he left his Finnegan membership card at reception in LMFM because this is some kind of con job by you coming in here today. People are held being account- accountable. And well, you know when the, the you know they're going to be held accountable? Mm-hmm. No, in the ballot box when they can vote Finnegan. Okay, so Ronan Murr of the Social Democrats. Okay, I think yeah. there's a point that people at home don't want to be listeners. So like bickering on, on, on bickering on certain issues is a big, big problem in this country at the moment. Where there's this, I, we feel there's a social contract that's been broken where you have people who are working every single hour of the of the working week mm. and don't see their children from one weekend to the next whose quality of life has been completely thrown out of balance who are spending their lifetimes in commutes and what they need to hear are practical solutions so when we look at issues around contracts that are running over as a party we're looking at these practical solutions in terms of implementing an independent anti-corruption agency based mm. on a very successful model in New South Wales that costs 5 million but has brought back in multiples of that because it holds senior servants to, senior officials to account and politicians to account which is something that, that hasn't happened and that would help restore trust in politics we're the party that has continuously said and in the last general election the only party and it's a fundamental question because we'll all talk mm. about all the things that we'd like to promise but a fundamental question is how are these things going to be paid we set out in the last election and this election as well that we want to retain the tax base we want to retain the tax base we want to reduce the, reduce the cost of living for people by putting money back in their pockets by reducing costs of childcare insurance and the like but what we also want to do is we want to invest in infrastructure we want to invest in childcare and unless you have a tax base to do that and not go down the, the auction politics that the main three parties are getting into and I know Fianna Fáil mm. left in fairness to them I think it's a four to one split okay. I guess it's hard to break the habit of a life but they are I guess moving in that direction but that said we have to do something because as of the moment people's lives are they're living to work let's talk about auction politics for a little bit uh, and the solution at the moment seems to be that I'm going to work until I die uh, is that what you really want mm. no French I'm going to work until I die. Are you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I'm I'm lucky enough uh, to to be in that mm. in that position. And you don't have any sympathy for these lazy sods who hope to retire. Uh, no, I I do. I have a lot of sympathy for them. Uh, and uh, yes, if you've worked, and we can't. The manual workers can't continue into their late 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 sixties like people in the office and mm. so on. Yes, uh, we do have to look at the pension time bomb. Uh, uh, as well um, there isn't an easy solution there and you're quite right auction politics uh, uh, people say well we're going to give another five euros mm. to the old age pensioners this year and that's great and then uh, we're going to give another five well, that's what you're, so, you're promising to do it for the uh, next five years yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. but that's auction politics mm. and that's manifestos and uh, that's, these are, that's an incredible admission yeah, there isn't yeah, it yeah, Honest, you're, you're, you're just, you don't believe a word out of Regina Doherty's mouth. Is no, that what you're saying? It is an incredible admission that we have I a do. candidate for Fine Gael looking to go into government who's basically saying what, what uh, Pat Rabbit said, that this is what people do in elections. They mm-hmm. make promises that obviously either don't get fulfilled or will actually hurt okay. the, the... Quick, the, quick the, response the, to that, Charles. No offence. Quick response and then I'll come to you on the pensions. I think those sensible people out there know that when a government is going to be formed, it is going to be a series of compromises. Okay. So okay. Right. Okay. So he's standing by what he says. Okay. Shane Castle's on the pensions issue. Fianna Fáil can't do much better, really, can it, than Fine Gael? Just, just on that, 
um, a point that Noel made in terms of that's what people do. It does remind me of Pat Rabbit standing at the gates of Trinity College with a big red marker signing the pledge that he would I think that was Rory Quinn for the. And then Pat, Pat, Pat and, Rabbit and, said yes, people yeah. say anything and, that, and to and get elected. And the Labour yeah, government yeah, put yeah, up the yeah, college yeah, registration yeah, fees yeah, by 1500 Anyway, we've set out our position in terms of the pensions. We wouldn't have the the increase in the age to 67 next year as planned. We would pay the state transition. Uh, pension from age 65 as mm. well and ensure that we would look at how we're going to fund mm. this into the future as well. I know that yeah. I discussed so you'd before rev- Christmas, you'd review you know, it. we discussed before Christmas that it is a, a ticking time mm. bomb. We better make sure mm. that when when yourself, Michael, gets mm. the pension, there is a pension there for you because yeah. otherwise, you well, know... I won't get the pension th- age till I'm 100, the way things are going. Ronan Murr. Yeah. Like our co-leader, Roisin Shorthall, has been vocal on this in the doll, and our doll record shows that for a, quite a period of time. But I think the pension, as this is, this, ti- mm. this ticking time bomb is an absolute um, issue that needs to be addressed. And I think for ourselves, our position on this is that we need to have a cross-party solution. There are certain issues in this country that need cross-party, because if you don't have a cross-party solution to this, what you end up having is, co- is people in opposition who pour cold water. That's, and, and I guess when you look at ourselves as social democrats, mm. we have that track record because, again, going back to the mm. health, uh, health so, issue. Re- that, so just, you, sorry, just to finish this you point. You qualify for the pension at what age? At 65. Uh, and is that a red line issue? For us, I think the red line issue is that it has to be cross-party resolution on it so that we can come up with the best okay. thing. Because unfortunately, Tobin, have, you, have, have you a red line we're, position? We're looking for a transition pension between the ages of 65 and, mm. and 66. And just to say, I'm the only mm. TD uh, in Meath at the moment who actually voted against the mm. proposals by the Labour uh, Minister at the time in 2011 uh, uh, to actually increase... Mm. Uh, the pension age to 68 years of age and it I wasn't a TD well, in 2011 well, fairness Paddy you better just nuance that okay well in, in fairness but Fianna Fáil did you vote know. for it uh, in, so your political party <laughs> did vote for it uh, I don't want to get back in, into this kind of punch and duty stuff I'm just what I'm trying to say is right now there are TDs yeah. who can retire at the age of 56 and get the full pension uh, that's an absolute disgrace Right now, there are people who will put two million euros into a, a private pension pot and do it tax-free. Mm. That's an absolute disgrace. Right now, there are people who want to work uh, beyond the age of sixty-five and are still being forced uh, uh, to retire. So we we need to make sure we have those types of reforms first and foremost uh, in, in the pension area. And one other point, and, and in fairness, there's a major issue in Meath. The issue that's coming up at the door the most for us is that the fabric of family life is being shredded currently with regards to the pressure pe- people are being put on. Uh, with regards to the commute. Currently, so, for the last 15, 20 yeah, years. At least. So mm, for, mm, I know families, three and four hours were both mm. parents. My mother said to me, when she was a kid, um, she came home from school, she had organic conversations with mm. her own mother about the anxieties and the difficulties mm. and, and stresses that she had in school. And she said, in her life now, that's telescoped into about 45 minutes when both parents come back stressed after a commute mm. to work. The biggest difficulty, I believe, in me at the moment is the fact that the, the IDA and Invest uh, and, and Enterprise Ireland mm-hmm. haven't put the necessary jobs okay. locally first. And pe- but secondly, people are eating their lunch or their dinner on their lap as they're driving and they don't see their children. And the rail line is a key okay. issue here. And there's a, there's a meeting, a cross-party meeting tomorrow night okay. in the new Ro- Rachel Hotel. Yeah, look, I think... 8 o'clock. Think, eight o'clock. Okay, yeah. run I run think run. maybe with the possible exception of Fianna because it hasn't figured in their plan 2040, I think every person running for this election, Meade West, is committed to the, the Navan rail line. However, I think people well, and we I, I are too. Uh, well, the, but, but, we have but had, the point we, is, sorry, the point had, is, no, I, I, I didn't interrupt you. No, I didn't interrupt you. Sorry, sorry, Pat. Just if, let me, if you can let me continue, gentlemen. 
So I guess for ourselves, though, people need real solutions now because even if the Navan Rail Line were to go ahead mm-hmm. in the morning, they recognise this will take years and their children will have grown up in that period. We're the only party that's put forward mm-hmm. to look to legislate for the right to flexible work. And this is not a pie in the sky. This is something that's been rolled out in Scandinavian countries where as far back as 96, mm-hmm. uh, Finland had legislated that people, where the job allows, allows them to work three, three hours either side of the standard working day. Or in Sweden where we see successful rollouts of four-day weeks that make people are more productive in the same length of time for the same salary and employers are seeing less people taking time off sick and people are going into what is like... And that's three, to bank tackle can, the problem that we have, which is people... To recalibrate that work-life balance that people a, are not living to work. town. Indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's a situation that was created by Fianna Fáil when there was money to burn, uh, the rail line wasn't delivered, the hospital wasn't delivered, uh, and uh, that continued then under the Fine Gael administration. Uh, isn't it really the legacy of the last time Fianna Fáil were in government, Shane Castles? 2011, I sat in the studio with you, Michael, and, and Damien English and Helen um, McIntyre and Regina Doherty, and on the front page of the Mead Chronicle the week before mm. that particular general election, Fine Gael signed a pledge and said that they would have their hospital built by 2016. Mm. That's nine years ago. Was it a, was Fine Gael yeah. who pledged that. Oh, that was uh, a publicity that, stunt. But how much did Fianna Fáil spend? It was a publicity stunt. On and consultants, on consultants who published the report that said it was needed. I have made the point consistently, and I made it to you last week, in respect of the rail line. We had a situation where we had that to rail order stage in January. 2011 mm. again scrapped by the government that came into to power after that. No, but I think it was 2008 when Fianna Fáil engaged the, was, t- the Teamworks consultants and said that we're going to build a new regional hospital. On, on, on the, and again Fine Gael scrapped it and made a pledge in the teeth of an election. A front I think page Fianna Fáil, Fianna, page Fianna Fáil scrapped it. And now, I think the quote uh, and it was infamous at the time from Dermot O'Hearn on this programme was yeah, there isn't a red cent in the exchequer. Yeah, and I think Dermot O'Hearn just didn't want it in Mead as opposed to Loud. That was unfortunately, um, you know, parochial <laughs> politics. Oh, but, you know, he told me the other day he's still listening, so you can expect him <laughs> <a> later. <laughs> no problem. And I'll, I'll, make no, I'll make no apologies to Dermot for defending my own, but okay. it was Fine Gael who played that hospital on the front page. I've kept okay, the paper. Yeah. I wave it regularly at Simon Harris. Well right. what, what did Fine Gael do locally since uh, taking office in 2011? Certainly didn't deliver the rail line or squat. the hospital. Okay. Go French. Okay. I, I, uh, I, I could score political points here off to uh, They won't mind TDs. if you try. No, okay. I don't want to okay. because I think the rail line is bigger than that and I think it needs a cross-party, cross-community. Bluff, it, no. no, it's not. Bluff, it's nine not, years of doing it, nothing. No, you no, have a report it, sitting it in needs, a shelf that just It, 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 it needs and sorry, Pather, it, it needs to be led not a by a politician, not by people scoring <laughs> points off each other. I asked at uh, when the NTA came into Mead County Council yes. that the council and the TDs and the mm. business community put forward a strong enough case. We have six months to do okay. this. Very I'm not going to, I, I personally am I not going to promise that's the where, delivery that's, of that's the where, railway. That's where, that's where Let's our time, be realistic. That's where our time ends. Thanks very much to everybody for coming in to us. We'll conclude with a, a wrap-up from each of uh, the candidates uh, to finish our debate this morning. A, a very brief wrap-up uh, for that matter from my left around the table beginning with Patter Tobin, Mead West TD and leader of uh, the into party. Yeah, Ireland is a country of division at the moment. Uh, I believe under that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael government that we have, we have an overheating capital that's most congested uh, in the uh, in Europe. We have a sprawling commuter uh, belt where people are spending three hours a day 
uh, with enormous damage to the families uh, commuting. And we have rural areas uh, in our own heartlands which are emptying out of the young children. I'm asking people in this particular election just not to judge words, but to judge actions. I've been the chairperson of the Save Navin Hospital campaign, also the Meath on Track campaign and the Save for Meath campaign. And I'm, deli- I'm delighted that now the other parties are taking on the objective of the, the, the rail line and there's jostling now on that particular issue. But after the election, when things settle down, we need to take people onto the streets, okay. thousands of people marching to make sure that this commuter hell that exists in our county is fixed. Okay. Noel French, a candidate uh, for Fine Gael sitting councillor. I suppose uh, more of the same for me. Um, I work hard. I listen to people. I stand up for people and the community. And uh, yes, sometimes I may not necessarily agree with what my party I- is doing. Um, but uh, I think uh, we need uh, to have stability. We need a centre, uh, a centre uh, party in in government, prepared to take responsibility for the mistakes as well as the successes. Okay, thank you indeed. Ronan Moore is a candidate for the Social Democrats and a sitting councillor. Thanks, Michael. What I hear on the doorsteps is that people want change. People want to move away from Fine Gael. Nine years is a long first half. They want to, they're not wanting to go back to the same old Fianna Fáil. But I understand that there's, there's sometimes a fear of change. But when they hear the policies that Social Democrats are putting forward, this idea that implementing a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in our Slauncher Care 10-year health strategy, the idea of flexible work life to reset that uh, work-life balance, an anti-corruption agency to restore faith in politics, resources that are put forward based on, on need, not based on ability to pay, that policies that are based on countries in the Scandinavian that are the most equitable where people are content, I found that that fear is transformed, transformed to hope. And I think this this election gives us, and I think the Social Democrats, a real opportunity that if elected into power, that this is the chance where people's in an electoral process can actually, one, that they can actually transform that into okay. an opportunity. Thank for you very much indeed, Ronan Murray. And we'll conclude with sitting TD, Shane Castles, who's a candidate for Fianna Fáil. Michael, 10 days from now, the people in Meath West are going to get the chance to go into the polling stations and make a change. They've got to get a change that can end the mess in our healthcare system and end the housing crisis and end the lack of public transport in Mead West and an end to the lawlessness of the gangs on our streets. And when the people in Mead West go to make that change away from Fine Gael, they have a choice. A choice between the Rainbow Coalition parties with a mismatch of views and magic fairy dust to pay for everything or a party in Fianna Fáil who are embedded in the community and active on the ground in every parish in Ireland understand the heartbeat of this country and in Shane Castle's a TD who'll deliver for Mead West so make that change and vote Castles 1 on February the 8th. Thank you very much indeed. Shane Castles of Fianna Fáil, Peter Tobin of AIN2, Ronan Murr of the Social Democrats and Noel French of Fine Gael. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Now the North East Pilot Pressure Campaign is holding a meeting uh, tonight in uh, the Hedford Arms Hotel in Kells ahead of uh, the election. It'll be asking candidates to agree uh, that planning permission uh, for the interconnector should be withdrawn because it is arguing that the planning permission as granted will no longer apply to the project as it will be implemented for a a number of reasons. David Martin is a spokesperson for Airgrid. He joins us now. North East Pile and Pressure Campaign couldn't be with us uh, this morning. Good morning to you though, David Martin, and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, I know you've uh, seen the statement uh, from the campaign group uh, against your project, uh, but they say that there's a number of problems with this. Uh, They say that the 
design for the pylons are no longer feasible, uh, that there's an issue with insulators and uh, that what is being proposed now will cause uh, different type of problems relating uh, to noise and such like, uh, that the drawings of the pylons are different than the ones that you submitted in your application and uh, that the depth of the pylons uh, is uh, different uh, than what you'll be actually able to do. So, good morning, Michael. Yes, um, I, I, I got the press release yesterday from Northeast uh, Pile and Pressure. Um, so, we are in a, a world of fake news, and I'm afraid this is um, a, a classic example. Um, these, the, the assertions that are made in this um, press statement are completely incorrect. Um, based on correspondence between ourselves and ESB over a number of months. And just, just to take a step back to explain the situation, we designed the North-South Interconnector, and we, we, we procured the, the planning commission first. ESB then goes out and builds it. And they're, they're working on a detailed design and project plan for this. And we have been corresponding with them uh, on an ongoing basis. So we, we, we assist them in this work by providing clarification on the terms, the constraints and the conditions of the planning consent. And the campaign group has been looking at that correspondence. The correspondence is correct. I'm sure you have no issue with that. And no, that they, the correspondence is correct. And that they it, received it under freedom of information. But correct. you're saying how, how they are interpreting it is wrong. Uh, exactly. And the, the, the detailed design, so this, to this correspondence pertains to the detailed design and project plan. That's not finalised yet. So this is work in progress. So you can't, A, you cannot draw conclusions from it. However, I did go and speak to the project team on this yesterday because I was quite alarmed, as you can imagine, when I saw this. So, for instance, the first assertion is that the pylon design submitted by Airgrid and approved by Bornola is no longer feasible, creating a major compliance issue. Not true we will be putting forward the same pylon design as submitted to Inboard Planola. And can people see it? Uh, because they're saying that Turkish contractors have uh, the designs, but local people haven't seen it. Well, they, we haven't. We, we, we have gone out to procurement, or ESB has gone out to procurement with, uh, for the design of the pylons with, a, with the Turkish manufacturer. That is correct. Um, the, they, they asserted that the drawings sent out um, for this uh, procurement were uh, different from the ones sent to on board Planola. That's not true. They're the exact same drawings. Okay. So, so we, we wouldn't, as a matter of, you know, if you're going through a procurement process for a major piece of infrastructure, you know, you, 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 it actually the procurement itself is a public procurement. So the information is available on the uh, eTenders website if people want to see it. They're saying uh, that you have approval uh, to go three and a half metres below ground uh, yes, f- for the pylons uh, yeah. and that you're actually going to need to go deeper, four and a half metres instead of three and a half metres. So as things stand, we haven't put in, we haven't finished the detailed design. There was a question from ESB as to whether we could go to four and a half metres. Um, and that was that was just a question. As things stand, it's going to be three and a half metres. OK, but it may need to be four and a half metres. That hasn't been decided, it, it, I take it looks it from. as if it's not going to. It looks as if it has to go to four and a half metres, we'd have to go back to Unborn Canola and ask, and ask permission to go to four and a half metres. OK. And so it, this is work in progress. So, mm. you know, to draw mm. conclusions to, from this correspondence and say, look, smoking gun, this is all done now. This is being done behind closed doors. It's just not true. Where are you going to erect these pylons? Well, I think it's, very, we, it's going to be erected along the, the line as was approved by mm. Board Planola. Uh, 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 and the, the actual structures themselves are clearly laid out as to where they're going. And we've spoken and we've engaged with the landowners. Okay, but the, the, the reason I'm asking you the question is uh, yeah. that the campaign group is saying, uh, how are you going to uh, erect them on other people's land if people don't want you to erect them on their land? So... 
that is a question of us engaging directly with the landowners. And this is a conversation we've had over the years, Michael. You know, um, there are uh, a lot of landowners in Meath, Cabin Monaghan, Tyrone and Armagh. We are dealing with them. We're talking to people. Some people have very clearly said that they don't want the uh, structures on their land. Um, we are continuing to engage with those people. Uh, we understand that. We understand that people want to have it put underground. And we've been down mm-hmm. that road. Um, and we've evaluated it. And we've done lots of work on that. And it's come back. The most recent report was in October 2018 from the government, which confirmed that the overhead line is the best technical solution and the most cost-efficient one. But are so, you going to erect these pylons on a, a local person's land if that person says, I don't want them there? Are you going to force them to accept that the pylons will be erected on their land? Well, we don't want to force anybody to do anything, Michael. You know, this is, the building, as you, as, as you and your uh, listeners are aware, building any infrastructure in this country is, is challenging and, and it's difficult and we want to work okay, with people directly affected. But what will you do if you can't persuade enough people? Well, that's a hypothetical question. We're not in a position yet where we started construction. Obviously, it's been delayed because of the situation in Northern Ireland and, not be, and, and, um, and the fact that we haven't been able to proceed with because they, there hasn't been a government up there to sign off on it. We will be, once the stormwater is now back up and running, we're in a position now to look forward to, to work with um, local landowners to get this thing moving again. So we'll be talking to them. We're not going to coerce, force. I know you're trying to say, you want me to say that we're going to force it on people's land. That's not what we want to do. That's not our approach at all. We want to do it through dialogue and through talking to people. Okay, David, I have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for answering some of uh, the questions uh, in response to the issues raised by the campaign group. As I said, they couldn't be with us uh, this morning, but thank you uh, for joining us on behalf of Airgrid. That's uh, David Martin, spokesperson for Airgrid, who brings our programme to its conclusion today. Our time has run out and it's once again. There'll be a podcast available on our website website lmfm.ie this afternoon. Thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie Maguire for researching and Chris Murray in the control tower. I'm Michael Godwilling. We'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.